Welcome to Vidmark, a podcast to give you the video marketing knowledge to always hit the mark. Let us help build your confidence with video strategy and content creation best practices. Join us weekly for pro tips and guest interviews as we explore the powerful communication tool of video. It's time to boost your business. Let's talk video. Exactly, the power of editing. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Vidmark podcast. I'm excited to be joined by Trent Warren out of Austin, Texas. Trent, uh, we go back a few years, back to the University of Oregon days, and we were just talking before this call, uh, you know, chasing each other around the quad back when you were doing your track days, and I was trying to, I don't know, train up and be a better sprinter because I heard that hit training was better than, you know, uh, other types of running, but yeah. Do you want to give us a little bit of your background? Um, you know, thanks for coming on the show, Trent. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. I know this has, uh, been in the works for a long time now. I'm super happy to be on the show by the way, but, uh, yeah, no, we, you said it right. We go back at U of O, um, both journalism students, uh, both logging in those long hours in the, in the J, J school in the lab. Um, yeah, no, uh, again, we, I think we met like end of junior year or two. So we, uh, you know, we've gotten really close over the years, but yeah, no, basically a little bit about me. Um, you know, I was a four-year student at U of O and a journalism major, as I, as I mentioned, um, and, uh, um, you know, got into marketing, uh, right after, right after college. So I went to U of O, graduated in 2015, didn't, did grad school at a smaller school named Cal State San Marcos. Um, I majored in international business. Uh, then I moved on to Austin, Texas, where I found a found a job for a company called Flow Sports. Um, they are a B two C uh, company that you know think ESPN, but at a smaller scale. They um, they're really big into the the whole niche sports and cord cutting. Uh, really unique business. They pick up all the sports that ESPN doesn't pick up. So for them, I worked out as a content marketing coordinator, uh, just kind of moving up the ranks of uh, the marketing world, right? Uh, getting my feet wet. Um, and yeah, it was, it was there for about a year. Um, learned a lot, you know, learned. I can go into more detail uh, later, but uh, uh, from there, I uh, went over to the B2B side, which is completely different than B2C. Uh, in my opinion, much harder, um, s- slower sales cycles and, and whatnot. But uh, worked for a company called Doublehorn, which is a cloud brokerage company, um, moving in the tech space here. And basically, they sold cloud software um, to, to businesses that wanted to expand their, um, their cloud uh, intake, if you will. Um, and then uh, that morphed into a, another company called Lifter Insights, which was a data, um, data um, analysis company, uh, basically, we, we sold data on the cloud. So very similar to Doublehorn. Um, so that made sense. The two and two went together. And then finally, about seven months ago, I was uh, hired at a new company uh, called Acadium. Um, they are an ed tech company, uh, which is really exciting. And um, it's, we're actually you know, doing pretty well despite this pandemic. Um, it's, uh, it's really interesting you know, with, you know, with the pandemic going on and you know, universities struggling to keep their students and, and um, making sure, um, you know, they get that tuition money, right? But our, our you know, our, our basis here is basically to, um, we have these online course networks and basically, you know, as an institution, you join a network and you can um, share courses with those other schools that are a part of that same network. So it allows, um, allows institutions to, um, keep their students and keep them on track. Uh, if, for example, if like um, there's a a class that they don't offer, but their their partner institution does, then they could um, transfer those credits uh, really easily. That, in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. Uh, but yeah, now I'm a um, I work as a demand gen manager. Um, so uh, you know, Brian, I'm sure you'll go more into detail with this. Uh, with my role, but basically um, working on getting uh, getting leads, you know, getting leads and and moving them along the pipeline. You know, um, once you obtain the lead, it's it's what what happens with it. You know, it's not just you know impressions and 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 you know reach. It's more more than just uh, just capturing leads. We we want to like do things with it. So your results based marketing. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome. Thank you. That was an awesome like synopsis of everything. And I want to dive into some of the things that you brought up as well, but uh, just, yeah, that's good that you guys are doing well during this time, just because like technology and the education space, yeah, you, that's, you guys are kind of at the forefront of all of that with um, people being able to take classes online. And that's interesting. I didn't really realize that's what you guys do. So people can, if they, uh, the school that they're going to doesn't offer that class, they go to you guys and you guys can kind of accredit them or pair them with the right opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're the software behind um, the online course sharing, right? So um, for example, there's, you know, at least eight different uh, consortiums is what they're called. And um, just as a, as a dummy example, right? Um, we will have this West Coast consortia and all these institutions that are on the West Coast, they, they buy in, into this consortia and it's like similar universities, right? So like, hey, uh, school A is very similar to school B, it makes sense for us to kind of join together and just help one another, one another out, right? And so if a student, again, is, is um, let's just say they fail a class in fall term and that same class isn't offered until next fall, but they need that credit in order to graduate, well, maybe in winter term, that student can take that class at the other university, get that credit, and then it goes towards their degree uh, because the two universities are, are similar and they're in the same consortia. Wow. That's, that would have been really awesome to have at the time when I think we were taking like gateway at U of O. And if you didn't take it in the, in the fall, then you had to wait like the entire next year. So I don't know if they offer like, you know, gateway as an offer option with through the consortium, but um, again, to um, a lot of our, uh, a lot of the schools we deal with are, um, are smaller schools with uh, smaller endowments, you know, um, so, you know, fortunately for the, the bigger schools, they have um, lots of money and they can offer um, classes multiple terms. But yeah, to your point, like Gateway was one of those one of those classes where you needed to pass or else you're going to you're going to wait the whole next year. So, yeah, same similar concept. Yeah, yeah. Having to kind of map all that stuff out. I'm, I'm glad those days are a little bit behind me. But uh, yeah, that's it's uh, it's big business. So um yeah, you know, thinking back on a lot of this, maybe we can go take a trip down memory lane. Like, uh, are you pretty happy with like the journalism degree? Is that helping like with what you're doing with marketing today? Yeah, great question. So it's, it's funny, you know, I, I, I used to tell people I'm majoring in journalism. They're, you know, the instant gut reaction is like, okay, cool. You're going to be a writer. You're going to write for newspapers. And, you know, it's more than that, right? And I started my career as a writer, right? I think writing is so important, right? It's it's, it's messaging. It's what's going to connect with your audience. What's going to connect with your reader. So it's the foundation of marketing, in my opinion, is writing. It's, it's what is that one trigger that you're going to say that's going to just click in that person's brain, you know? Um, so yeah, I started my career, you know, working as an intern for my newspaper as a sports journalist, right? But definitely the journalism degree has helped, you know? Um, again, I just can't, emphasize how much more than just writing and and being a newspaper that you can do with a journalism degree uh it's you know it's public relations it's advertising it's you know marketing stems from it too you know so uh back in school i was a super j major which kind of covered everything a little bit but uh yeah i would say the journalism thing really really helped me just craft messaging and i think that's just the, the foundation of marketing Totally. And then, yeah, with a lot of what you do with the lead gen stuff, are you, you know, you're probably writing all the time. Are you uh, creating funnels for uh, some of the you know, customers for part of their experience? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, again, um, I guess I didn't really talk about it a whole lot, but at Flow Sports and Double Horn, I was um, really big into um, digital advertising, you know, that, that creative copy. It's so crucial. Um, you know, very, keeping succinct messages, but getting that point across is just, it's, it's a talent, you know, it's, it is something that's hard to come by. And, you know, you see ads all the, all the time on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. And, and, you know, a lot of times you just scroll right past them, but like, you know, what is that ad that's going to make a person stop and not scroll on their, on their feed? Um, it's, it's crucial, but um, yeah, no, um, you know, again, it's, it, again, I can't emphasize the writing, is the foundation and that's what starts, you know, the average, the ads, right. The advertising, the content. And then, you know, if you have a, you know, very creative, uh, uh, 
piece of writing, um, that's how you're going to get your lead, right? You know, you're going to get someone's attention. You're going to, you know, try to get some, a conversion, right? Get someone to download, uh, download something or submit a form. So, yeah, trying to get them to take action. Um, do you have any tips for people that are listening? Maybe, maybe like, what's one thing that you see a lot of people? You mentioned a lot of people just scroll past an ad. So I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners they have put out advertisements that maybe didn't do as well as they would have liked. Do you have any tips on how to get grip people? Uh, get people's attention through the writing aspect? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple things. One, there's just so many free resources out there. I think a lot of people, um, you know, they want to get into this business and then they spend, you know, a lot of money on, on classes they um, could find, you know, as free resources on, on the web, you know, open software, right? Uh, I'm a big believer in um, just the Google suite and, uh, you know, the Google ads and the Google analytics, it's all, it's all there for you. You know, make a, make a Google account and, and learn yourself, right? Um, HubSpot too. I'm not trying to product push here, but you know, HubSpot, HubSpot has free resources. They have a huge knowledge base. Um, so <clears throat> definitely, definitely suggest, you know, looking at HubSpot, looking into Google also to SEO is huge, right? Um, so uh, one of my favorite couple websites are Moz, M-O-Z.com. It's a great website for uh, boosting your, your search engine optimization and, um, you know, uh, getting, getting the, the words uh, to re- resonate with uh, Google and um, getting uh, to increase your, you know, your search engine uh, rankings, right? And then finally, um, SEM Rush. love SEM Rush. Uh, definitely use that tool a lot. So, I would say just getting familiar with as many different types of marketing softwares as possible. And then kind of just like using little bits and pieces, you know, uh, I, and another thing too, I want to mention is, um, you know, you have to know your business too. Right. So like, you know, are you a B2C or are you B2B company? Right. And I think a lot of people get caught up with, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, let's just say example, I'm, I'm a B2B company and, you know, we're spending all this money on Facebook. Well, think about it. You know, is your customer really going to be on Facebook? You know, in my opinion, B2, or um, Facebook is more of a B2C um, platform, right? And so um, don't just keep pouring money into, uh, into these advertising funnels if you're not really seeing the results. Take a step back, analyze the data, and, and make, make pivots here and there. Um, just because they exist doesn't mean you have to go out and spend all this money. You know, you have to know your business and be true to your business. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why I was excited to bring you on the podcast. Cause you're my like analytics guy, the person that I think of when it comes to digesting this data. And I, I think the like more profound way I think I've heard of data is like trying to find the story in it or trying to find like, what's the bigger meaning, the message to take away from it. Um, and you've done a lot of these, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned some of these free courses, like some of the Google analytics courses and HubSpot courses for analytics. Um, do you have any kind of thoughts there? Like what's a good thing that people should be measuring when they do these campaigns? What's something that they should uh, really be like honing in on? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a loaded question there. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. Thing. There's all the different metrics, but yeah. what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? <laughs> sure. Um, so, I, you know, I think the problem with marketers and, you know, I was definitely this marketer when I was in my young days, right. Especially with flow sports is, um, you know, you create this content, and you're just worried about the really high top of funnel metrics. Like what's my reach? What's my awareness? What's, what's my, um, you know, uh, again, just reach and awareness, but like it's conversions are huge, right? Like what's, what's really going to drive conversions. If you're, if you're getting, you know, a crap ton of reach and you're not driving conversions, there's a little bit of a disconnect there. Right. And, um, you know, you have to analyze a lot of things. And I think, something really important for marketers is AB testing, um, you know, testing, not just having one ad, right. You want to have multiple ads and, and see what's working and then, you know, continue to track those, uh, those analytics. And if you're seeing a difference, if test B is outperforming test A, well then shut off test A and then let's just pour money into test B, right. AB testing is huge. Um, it'll help your ROI and add and return on ad spend. Um, I don't know if that was, is that was kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. And I was kind of curious with, I haven't done, you know, I always, I sometimes as a marketer, I don't always like practice a ton of what I preach sometimes like, or like I don't practice it to a T. And so like when it comes to AB testing, sometimes I'm just, because I'm a one man band, it's like, just, 
doing the the A and I don't have really the B. But um, how many variables do you change? Because there is like a science to this, like, uh, you know, keep the same image, but different copy or same image, two different sets of copy. Um, like yeah. how, how varied do you want to make A and B? Absolutely. Uh, you definitely, you know, and the way my, I go about it is you, you want to, you want to make slight changes, right? Obviously, because if you, you know, if version A is completely different than version B, then okay, what's what made version B outperform version A? Then you have all these different variables, right? And so, a lot of things I look at is, you know, if you're if you're sending out emails, right? Subject subject line length, you know, sometimes I'll use a shorter subject line versus a longer subject line. We know that it, um, email subject lines usually cut off uh, between forty-one to fifty characters. Um, you know, landing pages, you can do um, A-B testing with landing pages and HubSpot has a really cool feature where you can, um, you know, test out landing page A versus landing page B. And then they'll, they'll analyze and they'll say, hey, landing page A is outperforming landing page B. Let's go ahead and, you know, push out landing page A. Um, so again, subject line, you know, you can A-B test, you know, again, the creative, like the creativeness, right? So not just the copy, but the image. Um, and like I mentioned, landing page. So you know, I think it's, it's a long process and it's, it can be really tedious, the whole A-B testing and sometimes you don't have time in your hands, but I think it's a really important thing. And once you do find those discrepancies, then, okay, now I know I don't, I can wait, I don't need to waste my time doing it the old way. Now I know what my audience um, recognizes and, and responds to. A big thank you to our sponsors over at songtub.com. That's right, song or music and a tub, like a bath, but more fun to say, tub, tub. Anyway, you can check out Songtub's website for any of your music needs. In fact, the song playing in the background right now is from Songtub. So why pick them over anyone else? Well, they curate the music. And I know the guys, so that means I know that they're selecting great music for your project. A lot of other companies will brag about how many songs they have, maybe 100,000, 200,000, maybe even a million. But honestly, I don't have time for that. I don't have the time to just sit down and go next, 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 a song, not so great, you know, trying to figure out where the best music is. Songtub.com, great place to get your music. And now I'm excited to offer you the first month for free if you go to songtub.com slash pro, P-R-O, and we have a promo code for you. Yes, that's right. My name, your host, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and that will give you your first month free to have access to a huge music library that you can use towards your next video project, podcast, or any of your general audio needs. Anyway, back to the show. Um, you mentioned, you know, HubSpot, and I know, you know, just from our chats offline, like you really uh, dove deep in learning HubSpot and becoming a lot more knowledgeable about it. Do you think HubSpot's a pretty good um, solution for any size business or do you have any, like, it can be a little overwhelming, I think, for some people jumping into it, but they have a lot of free resources. I know that they can, I think you maybe can do like email marketing through them and you can even like manage a CRM. Really, you could run a whole business from HubSpot, right? Yeah. Again, you know, not trying to product push. You know, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've used. I think um, it's fine. I mean, HubSpot. I mean, they, they have a good reputation, so it's it's okay I to give them HubSpot. kudos. It's definitely what I'm most familiar with. Um, you know, I've used um, Pardot. Some people call it Pardo. Um, <laughs> in the past, they're owned by Salesforce. Uh, I've used Marketo for email email marketing as well. Uh, but again, HubSpot. I think what makes them so great is their their extensive knowledge base right it's an encyclopedia of articles where you can literally just google search question and then just type in hubspot and then boom like your answer just pops up there so i think it's a very user-friendly um crm and it, you know it depends on your company right and, you know currently uh you know doing a huge uh crm migration from one crm to the other it's it's a lot of work um so uh you know hundreds of clients yeah. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's a lot of data that we're, we're moving over and, you know, making sure, you know, properties match up and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, uh, um, I, again, big believer in HubSpot. Uh, you know, like you said, they, there is a free um, version where they have a lot of free uh, emails and, and, you know, tools, but you know, if you 
do decide um, to, you know, be a premium subscriber. There's different um, tiers, you know, there's a starter tier for the smaller businesses and uh, professional tier, and there's even an enterprise tier for the big corporations. So um, another cool little feature too with HubSpot is they, um, they have, you know, consulting hours, you know, um, if you become a new customer with them, uh, sign a contract, it's part of the service. They, they will sit down for three months. Um, uh, depends on, I think, the tier you get, but they sit down with you and they walk through, okay, what can we tackle to help streamline your business? Wow. That's a uh, very, very generous, but yeah, they, you know, they have a good reputation and thanks for kind of giving people a general understanding. We'll put the link to HubSpot in the, in the show notes. So people will be able to access it. Um, and then you mentioned a few other, yeah, there's just so many software tools that are available to people, um, you know, as a small business owner or some of the mid-sized businesses, do you have any tips for, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, leads. Do you talk, do you have any tips for like kind of the nurturing process or how do you sift through leads that are, I think they sometimes call them qualified leads, someone that you really want versus someone that's just uh, not really as good of a, a, of a match. Yeah, no, for sure. I guess, yeah. Um, you know, I was kind of talking about it a little earlier, but I think again, a, a problem that marketers have is, you know, they, they create this content and, <clears throat> you know, it gets impressions and then they're just done, you know, done looking at the analytics. But as a, as a true marketer, you need to look at from the time you, you know, start working on the content creation versus like the close, you know, a marketer should know their sales pipeline just as good as a salesperson. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, can you more- say that again for everybody? <laughs> no, a marketer should know, um, they shouldn't know. <laughs> now you put me on the spot here. No, the marketer should know just as a sales pipeline, just as good as a salesperson. They, they need to know from the time the content is created till closed one, you know, it's marketing and sales are synonymous. You know, it's um, you need to be in touch with your sales team as much as possible. You know, it depends on your business and the structure, right? If you have a BDR a business uh, development rep um, you know, I'm constantly in, in contact with, with her, um, just making sure, you know, things are working smoothly between the marketing and the, and the sales team. But again, to answer your question is, yeah, you know, you have the content creative side of marketing, you know, they generate that stuff. And then when you get the lead conversions, and this is kind of what I'm, you know, my role is I'm looking at um, who are qualified leads are. And um, there's another cool thing in HubSpot called lead scoring. So a quick little you know uh, demo on that is um, basically your 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 users are taking inter, um, interactions on the website and they're gaining points. Um, so based on certain pages they view, you know, for example, if a user downloads um, a piece of like let's just say a case study and then they go to a demo page, like hey, request a demo. Well, hey, requesting a demo shows high buyer intent. Like you're not gonna just like request a demo if you're just some cold lead, right? Like if you're really interested in the product, I want a demo. So boom, if they go to that demo page, give them like, you know, a lot of points or whatever your lead structure scoring is, they need a lot of points, you know, to, to hire qualify them for as a lead. And you basically, as a, as a marketer, you set these um, parameters uh, for qualifying leads um, let's just say your threshold is 60. Um, so once a uh, lead hits 60 points, then they become an MQL. All right, this person's serious. We, we need to put this in person in touch with our, our business uh, development rep. You know, let's, let's move them along. Let's, let's see what their interests are. Um, so, uh, you know, moving them along the pipeline, right? The marketing and sales pipeline, in my opinion, it's one pipeline. It's not marketing and sales. It's one pipeline. Um, so, you know, getting qualified leads, moving them through the, uh, the stage, the, the stages in the, in the sales funnel. Totally. Now I, the, I, the reason I had you repeat that is because I think a lot of people think of them separately. So I think that's, you're really shedding some good light on, you know, explaining that they're synonymous. They were like one in, uh, one, one in the other. Cause, um, yeah, they, it's a lot nicer to be able to tell the salesperson or the sales rep when they're going to be talking, uh, with the prospective client, like, Hey, th- like we saw that they looked at this article that they requested this demo. Like there you have this score. You're able to provide all that information and make the process for your salespeople a lot easier. I would imagine. Um, or at least they're a lot more informed. Like they know how interested this customer is and how maybe they can mentally prepare how, 
how much should they bring to the table when it comes to trying to, you know, a lot of sales is convincing or kind of persuasion uh, or explaining how your product's going to be of benefit. So they're really able to identify and do the research. Absolutely. And again, the beautiful thing about HubSpot is like, there's so much market intelligence built into the platform where once you get that lead, they download that form, like lots, lots of <laughs> customer information or prospect information, I should say, gets generated. You know, you get to know where they work and their company and their email address. And like by that information, you know, as a marketer, you need to do a task and be like, okay, is this person really qualified? Are they just kind of snooping around our website? You know, do I need to send them over to our BDR person because uh, might be wasting their time. So it's, it's that constant communication between sales and marketing. Wow. Who's, what does BDR stand for again? I haven't worked in some of these big matrix uh, organizations. That's all good. Uh, business development representative. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's an easy one. I should have got that. <laughs> good old BDR. Well, um, let's see. So do you have any other tools? You've done a good job of explaining, you know, going through a lot of this outline that we kind of talked about, but do you have any other, like you kind of talked about HubSpot, but you know, the current, like how to measure a lot of this, you know, beyond, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I guess, you know, that's the full circle, right? So like, <clears throat> I guess I didn't talk about that part, but you know, getting the lead and then moving through the pipeline and then closing, and then measuring, right? Reports, you know, understanding what pieces of content really moved them and made them more qualified lead, right? Um, uh, again, I'm gonna go this direction, but HubSpot has <laughs> dashboards and reports um, that you can measure on a campaign basis, uh, you know, on a lot of things, right? And so um, I'm constantly in the weeds of, you know, looking at our different types of uh, personas and which personas act quicker than others. You know, you have the buyers, hmm. you have the, you know, the people that just kind of snoop around on your website, you know, you have different um, buying tendencies with these different personas. Right. And so I think it's really important to know <clears throat> what is the persona that's going to be, who's your, who's your main buyer, right? Who's, who's the economic decision maker. Mm -hmm. right? Who's going to be the guy that goes, okay to his team that's the we need that product you know you're gonna have a couple other people that say hey that's really cool and they'll bring it up to you know their boss or whatever if you know they're, they're interested in a product and you need to find the economic buyer and then this goes back to the first thing i said you know that that journalism background right that messaging right what's what needs to be said in order for the economic buyer to be like we need that we need to purchase that so i think mm -hmm. that's what is is finding your personas, their, their buying, you know, uh, tendencies, and then, um, you know, report on that, right? And, and streamline, streamline your marketing uh, capabilities. Yeah. Are the personas pretty fluid? Like, are they subject to change from year to year? Or do you kind of know who these, who the, the people are? Like, you know, the, are there like three or four categories of people and they just kind of keep reoccurring? Or um, does that change? with time well, at our company they're pretty fluid um however you know with the pandemic that changes everything right you know current current world events will will streamline and and either speed up or slow down um buying decisions um so i think our business is unique and and you know because we are in the online course sharing business uh you know we we're, we're top of we're a huge need for a lot of universities and um you know a lot of the uh the higher admin people um, are realizing like, Hey, this is, this company has got what we need. So it's pretty fluid, but again, dep depending on world events. Yeah. Were you guys ready for this, for the pandemic? Were you like leveraged a spot to be like, okay. We, I, I don't know if anyone was like ready, but like, were you guys able to make the adjustment to handle probably an influx of a whole lot more schools reaching out? That's a great question. Um, it's funny because I, I started at this company end of June. Um, so we were in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, to my understanding is, it, you know, it was, it just kind of happened and, you know, we pivoted. And all, I think all, all companies, um, if they can, you have to make adjustments, you know. You, you see this from like the small mom and pop shops, 
um, you know, in the services industry, trying to like pivot and how can I bring in revenue? And, and I think, you know, that's what uh, my company did as well is we pivoted and we, um, we offered different um, products, um, you know, to go along with the pandemic. Right. So um, real quickly, we have a, um, a higher ed uh, recovery consortium. So basically it's a consortium, like I was talking about earlier, that are, it's specific on the pandemic and getting schools back on track and getting their students back on track. That was a result of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, inventing new, new product lines and services to go along with the pandemic, help, help other people out, you know? Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's awesome that you guys had the size and like the nimble ability to do that. Uh, some other people I think struggle with that, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that you guys were able to do well. And yeah, that's probably really interesting joining, uh, jumping on board with a business mid pandemic. Cause you're seeing how they're like handling it and obviously they're growing if they're able to bring people on board. So uh, yeah, congrats to you for, for starting up. And I would imagine it's probably been a whirlwind since. <laughs> Oh, it's every day is a, a new day and it's a, a lot of work, um, a lot of work to be done, but uh, keeps you on your toes. It's a lot of fun. Um, this is my third startup, if you will. Uh, and startup, startup businesses is, is it's fun because like you got to be nimble, you know, <laughs> like uh, it's not the day to day routine like you see with these big corporations, but it's it's quick turnaround and um working uh, sometimes long hours, but it, it's fun, you know, it's, and it's meaningful too, you know, at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're, we're helping institutions, um, you know, stay, stay afloat, you know, it's sad, it's very sad, but you're seeing some institutions having to close and, and just close up shop because they, they aren't getting the tuition money, but we're also helping out students too, and getting those students um, back on track with their degrees and, it's, it's a lot of meaningful work and it's a very unique um, business model. So I'm, I'm very blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I, I'm like thinking about schools closing. It's like, how wild would it be to like, you, you graduated from the school and like, it doesn't exist anymore. So then yeah. you're like, uh, just, but that's the sad reality of things. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I was going to ask you, you know, bring it back to like the analytics and kind of measurement, like do some of the metrics, like, does it get to a point sometimes when like metrics become like obsolete, like after like a year or two or, and so like that's on the long end. And then the, is there sometimes it's like too early to measure stuff? Like, uh, you know, there's just not enough data to really give yourself a, you know, a thorough assessment of how well like a campaign did. Yeah, I mean, another another long-winded question, um, but no, it's a very- We got good, time. <laughs> we got time. No, it's a very good question. Um, you know, again, it just, it just all depends, right? You know, uh, looking at it, looking at things on a, on a campaign level, um, you know, if, if you run your first campaign, it's, you know, getting the reports and the metrics, it's your baseline, right? <laughs> like, you know, it tells you stuff, but it doesn't, there's nothing to compare it to. Right. So, you know, I definitely think having a good, healthy, you know, number of campaigns, you know, five to 10, and then like looking at a lot of different metrics, you know, what was the campaign about? What part of the year was it about? You know, um, especially with us, you know, we run campaigns on an academic year. Um, so everything's, you know, different and kind of comparing that year over year. So it really, don't be, don't be stressed marketers. Like sometimes it takes years to like, you know, you're looking back at old campaigns from the year previous. Um, so, you know, to really, to really see, you know, returns in a, in a sense, it's, you know, it can take years, you know, um, seeing where you can improve. Right. So a lot of, again, a lot of campaigns are on a year to year basis. So you have to wait till that next year to compare. Okay. This is what we did last year. Where can we improve? You know, we spent, this much amount of money, like how can we save, you know? So um, on the campaign level, yeah, it, it takes time. Yeah. Part of me is like, oh, that's awesome that like the thing that I did two or three years ago wasn't a complete waste, but then I'm also terrified because I have to maybe wait that long, but that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, I know a lot of marketers, it's like kind of the, the age old challenge of like trying to meet these quarterly results versus like sometimes it takes a while just to get get the data and 
just takes a while to get like build brand recognition and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say one more point too, is like, you know, you launch this, this marketing campaign and it, it, you, there needs to be a lead time of, of results, right. Of collecting results. Right. And it, it, it depends on the campaign, but just cause you finish the campaign. Okay. Sometimes it's a month of collecting data and sometimes it's three months, you know, and to your point, like, yeah, there's, you know, there's quarterly results that need to come out, but like sometimes by the time it's, you know, time to report on those results, well, your campaign's still, you know, generating leads and, and whatnot. And your, your, your new, your new leads are in the middle of the, uh, the, the funnel, right. The, the sales funnel. So um, it's again, like, like I said, it goes back from lead to close. Right. And, you know, you, you <laughs> sometimes you get those leads and they're still stuck in the, in the funnel and um, it, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. What's your favorite part about what you do, Trent? What's my favorite part? I love this question. Uh, you know, I, I guess this goes back to like what I just said, but, you know, working in the startup world, everything's, every day is different, you know, every, everything's different, you know, don't work in a cubicle. We're all working from home for the most part. Um, I, you know, I, I think I'm a kind of a creative person. So I do like, I've always liked generating the creative copy, you know, it goes back to my, my writing roots and, um, being, you know, trying to be unique and witty with, um, advertising and, and, and brands and whatnot. So, uh, again, I like everything, <laughs> Brian, I do. Um, but you know, the, the creative side is awesome, but you know, I've also become more of a, a metrics guy as I've gotten older too. You know, it's really cool to see ROI. Um, and that can be measured in a lot of different ways. So I would say creative copy and ROI. That's awesome. And that's cool that you, you're like, you work in a space where you can be flexible and can be creative with a lot of it. I know some industries, it becomes a little more challenging if you're working like in legal or financial, but that mold is slowly changing as well, where people are trying to be more creative in those spaces. But um, yeah, I, and then I can imagine working like a startup, I, from what I've heard is like the wins feel bigger because when you like when they do happen, it was because of the small team that worked together to do something really big or bigger than themselves. Whereas you work at a big company and they're like, oh yeah, we just put all those resources and you know, it got done because we have so like the the human power to make it happen. Absolutely. It's to be to be honest with you, when we get those big wins, it's it's an adrenaline rush. It really is. Like, you know, to know that like you and your team were a part of that, right? And you know, revenue starts with marketing, right? You know, so, you know, wins and, and, and closed revenue that that's a, it's a marketing generated thing usually. Um, so to know that you instigated it and you, you were the catalyst to move, move it forward. It's, it's rewarding. So, uh, yeah, you know, marketing, marketing is the foundation of, uh, revenue. Yeah. Well, you guys heard it here. Marketing equals revenue so invest money into your marketing and this is the the vidmark podcast so do you have any ideas about kind of like you know video marketing or media marketing if not that's okay but just putting you on the spot like have you noticed and you and i know your background's a little bit more in copy but have you done maybe some copy around video you know what are some of your thoughts yeah for sure i guess i never really talked about it but you know uh you know me brian i, I dabbled with a little bit of uh video growing up you know you have to with the journalism school but uh you know, I've definitely pivoted more towards the advertising marketing world, but um, yeah, no, I, you know, I know, um, you know, I think video is powerful. I think it's, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's a process and it takes time to, you know, generate the story. But, you know, again, in my opinion, video is, it's the best way to communicate a message. It's the best way to communicate a message. It's the most engaging material. And if, when it's done right, it's powerful. Um, you know, I know, I think my company is, you know, thinking about getting more on the video side of things and we haven't dabbled with that either. So that's another, you know, that's marketing potential that we haven't tapped into yet, but, um, you know, creating, creating a story, you know, everything's a story, right? So creating that, that, that FOMO, that fear of missing out, you know, um, videos is powerful. Big fan of video. Oh. A cactus knows how to survive. It can endure scorching heat limited rainfall, and defends itself against critters daily. Your business is no different. 
To survive harsh conditions, it's important to develop deep roots using media content that'll continuously nourish and support your marketing efforts day after day. Tactus Media is here to help you determine a strategy and create media content. Together, let's map out the next sequence of videos, podcasts, and social media to help your business thrive. Work with Tactus Media, media tactics that stick. Ouch! Visit tactusmedia.com to learn more. Yeah, for people that don't know, yeah, FOMO, where you're able to like watch someone having a good experience, whether that's a, you know, a similar client. We talked about, you know, personas. Maybe you're seeing the persona of, you know, yourself in that video and it makes you, it, it causes you to want to take action. And I always like, I enjoy the adding like kind of the music and the effects to make it kind of hype up the emotional element. Do you have a favorite part when it comes to like the video production process? You know, it, it's funny. Um, <laughs> maybe you and I are the only people that really think this, but I love video editing. A lot of people don't like the editing aspect of it, but like, I love it. Like it's, it's the story behind it. It's, it's, it's the creative juices that you get going. Right. And a lot of people find it really tedious, but I love, I'm not a big fan of necessarily shooting video as much. I mean, it's fine, you know? Um, but like, give me, give me like, a whole hour's worth of raw clips and I'll, I'll create you my version of the best video you'll ever have. Right. So, um, totally. yeah, I think video editing is fun. And then obviously seeing the final product, um, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I know it's always like very detailed, very time consuming, but I, I love your approach where it's like, yeah, you just have all this footage. You're going to turn something really good out of all that or you know the hope you know have a strong editor which you are so i'm back in those like we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast those long nights at uh the journalism school long nights mornings all the time just working around the clock trying to you know create that final product which yeah is the really cool part about uh the video industry is yeah you have something to show for it it doesn't just you know disappear forever it'll that sucker to youtube and it's going to be a time <laughs> as long as youtube doesn't change their algorithm or do whatever that's always changing that's always in flux the internet keeps developing that's do you have any uh ideas about oh go for it i was gonna say that's part two of uh of this episode is the, the algorithms changing and with social media and whatnot but yeah I know I, it's been crazy to see how even in our lifetime, how like the internet has matured and just how things have changed over time. Do, are there any trends that you're maybe seeing not to have you pull out your crystal ball or anything, but um, well, I mean, you know. you know, I, to be honest with you, it, it's been, you know, almost a year since I've run um, digital ads on social media because my roles changed and I, I now become like the CRM um, ad administrator, you know, CRM, um, manager, if you will. But, um, you know, starting to get back into the advertising business and I went onto Facebook and like, they've completely changed their layout and, and just the amount of like tools and different, you know, audience, uh, features that, that are there. It's like, Whoa, it's, it's mind blowing. You know, I, I lived in Facebook advertising when I was at flow sports, like that was my one of my main things in my role, but, uh, um, going, going to, uh, going back into the digital social media, that's like, wow, like this is. Yeah. It's like a real marketplace now. Well, not real, but like it, it has all that functionality and it feels like a digital, you know, if you tell some, if you would have told me, you know, 20 years ago, this is what an online marketplace looks like. And you're like, okay, yeah, that now you can really see it. So just wild how how much things are are always in flux and we'll see by 2030 be what we're eventual reality we've talked about on this podcast in the past and um yeah videos growing podcast is huge and but there's always going to be a place for writing and always going to be a place for like strong storytelling which i'm glad we've talked about a bit on this podcast so far yeah again not to be a broken record here but writing and storytelling it's the foundation it's the building blocks of of good marketing, you know, and then, if, you know, you can't be a good video, you know, editor if you don't know how to tell good stories, right? And so, um, yeah. <laughs> Your phone keeps going off. You must be. 
or uh, the bell keeps going off every time you see it say something good. So it's like you're getting like kind of a little uh, feedback reward loop there. <laughs> pretty well over here. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Um, are there any um, examples of people that are doing a lot of things that we've talked about well? Obviously, your company, but are there other examples, you know, even generically that you know of? Any examples of, um, of companies doing well? Yeah, doing a lot of this stuff well that you, you've seen. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think one thing to, uh, that just comes up to my head uh, right away is you're starting to see ads on TV. Maybe not just starting. This has been for the next couple, last couple months now. But you're starting to see ads that are like, obviously they were created during the pandemic, right? And like they're, it's messaging about the pandemic, right? You know, um, I think this was actually maybe three months ago or something, but I saw it was a Trident gum commercial or something like that. And it was really unique. They were like, there's such thing as mask breath. So why not have a Trident gum, you know? It's, it's true, right? Like, you know, we, we, we wear these masks and, you know, it's for our health and our safety, but like they have a point and that's, and that goes back to what I was saying about this whole, like, you know, pandemic and, and, and being flexible with the times is like, they found kind of a marketing opportunity there where like, Hey, we can, we can pitch our product um, because we know people are wearing their masks and, you know, breath might stink. <laughs> yeah you're you're sitting there breathing your own co2 after a while and it, yeah it starts to yeah that's interesting and then they've created a, a psychological association with the mask and the gum so then you kind of put two and two together but yeah i think a lot of companies they have to address it in some form or like how are are really you know anything of trident visually showing people using their product what it what it looks like so that way people have an understanding because it's it's really remarkable how much it's thrown kind of a wrench in how people perceive the world or how how the world operates so how like for example you know with with, with what you mentioned like ba- brands have to think about masks and like you know if you're a restaurant like how do you how are you affected by the mask like how does the mask affect you or um you know the other thing that you kind of jogged for me was you know as a videographer i see in a lot of these commercials too is like um now you're like, there's like a, a little part of the back of my head that's like, oh, are they six feet apart? Do, is this person wearing a mask? And any show that came out, you know, six months, a year ago, they might be people like next to each other. And there's kind of like a red flag that now goes off in my head of like, those guys are six, they're like close to each other and they don't have masks on. Like, how is that even possible? Do you feel that way too sometimes? It's become the new reality. You know, it's the new normal. Um, I, I've definitely felt that, you know, I, I don't want to like, call anyone out here but you know i've definitely seen that i've been like huh interesting you know um i even know again too not to go on a tangent here but like you know you know television shows are now referencing this pandemic and and you know like sitcoms and and, you know it's again it's 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 really interesting so it's it's a interesting time we live in yeah I know. And that's like kind of the big part with all of this is like adapting and continuing the change all the time. But this has really forced like a whole nother, you know, catalyst of change. So for, um, you know, for you guys, I, you know, I have listed on here, like what's a good customer for you guys, for your business. Um, do you want to talk about the ideal customer? Yeah, again, it's, it's finding the economic buyer. Um, and that could be a bunch of different folks, but, uh, you know, with my, you know, my ed tech business, uh, we are, we're looking for that, that higher up administrator for universities, you know, uh, presidents, provosts, chief academic officers, um, vice president of academic affairs, you know, those are the people with the buying power. Um, you know, and then, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, there's definitely people that have influence on those folks, you know, they might not have that kind of buying power, but they maybe are the ones that would use the product on a day-to-day basis, you know? So, um, you know, the advisors, the uh, registrars, the, the, you know, VP of enrollments, those, those kind of folks. Yeah. All right, listeners. So you, you heard it here. If you know somebody that matches one of those uh, 
criteria, reach out to them and uh, yeah, get, get your company on board with them. But I think overall, you've given some good tips to people that aren't even in that, that industry, in those fields, um, you know, for small business owners, mid-sized business owners, um, you know, a lot of these tools are going to be helpful for people and just kind of the general tips of the marketing world, which uh, yeah, in a couple of years, you know, I think we've talked about some of the things that are tried and true. Um, but I think that's also a thing is like getting used to changes and adapting all the time. Absolutely. Trying what? Oh, go for it. Well, and, uh, and just keeping updated on the whole marketing industry, right? <clears throat> reading the, reading the, reading the stories, listening to podcasts, um, another little plug here, but I'm a big Neil Patel fan. <laughs> I mean, I've seen him in live in person at South by Southwest two years ago and, he definitely was an influential factor on, on my marketing career. Um, really smart guy and obviously really talented. So subscribe to his newsletter and um, just picking up little tricks, you know, little tidbits that you can uh, get to know and, and improve your skills. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I, I follow his YouTube channel. He actually produces like a handful of videos. I would say maybe like one every couple of weeks, but they're very insightful, really helpful. I was really bummed, you know, talking about South by Southwest. I was almost, I almost came out to Austin and I was going to come hang out with you this last spring. And that was the first domino I felt like of all the events ending for was South by Southwest canceled and then everything else for the rest of the year canceled. But uh, we'll make it happen. Probably not this next year, but in a couple of years, I'd love to come out and South by Southwest and just get the full marketing experience, full Austin experience with you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Anytime again, South by Southwest is a fun event for those who don't know read about it, check it out. A lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of people with a lot of knowledge, um, flagged at ATX and, uh, for two weeks and they share. So it's a really fun event. For sure. For sure. Um, all right, Trent. Well, anything I haven't asked you any, any like one tip that would revolutionize somebody's world. They may, they might not think about. Hey, I'm just going to repeat what I've already said. Two different things. Marketing equals revenue. Marketing is the catalyst. For, for closed deals. And number two, as a marketer, you need to know your sales pipeline from start to finish. You need to know your pipeline as good as the, your sales reps. That's all I got. I love it. <laughs> Trent, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. I know we've, um, it took a couple, it, like it, you're a tough guy to pin down, Trent, but I, I'm appreciative that you came on here. I want to acknowledge you for all the hard work that you've put in. Like you've, uh, and, and part of that pinning down was you're going through a big transition in your life. So, uh, big congrats to you for, um, I don't know, seeing things through for doing, uh, you know, everything that you do. And, uh, it's been really fun having you on the podcast and I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your knowledge and sharing your, your wisdom with the audience and, um, yeah, best of luck in the new year. Um, any fun plans for 2021? Um, you know, just hunker down and hopefully uh, things, things change and become back to normal. Um, but you know, I'm just gonna stick around and keep working hard. Uh, again, thanks for the praise by the way, but love my company. And, and I, you know, again, hopefully this podcast and, and this video, uh, will be beneficial to any young marketers out there and, and, and folks that, um, can hopefully pick up some new uh, tools and tricks and again, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or ask me any questions. I'm here to do my best and help you uh, succeed. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Trent. Until next time. All right. Bye everyone. Thanks for tuning into Vidmark, a place for all your video marketing needs. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and tune in every Thursday morning on either iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. For a behind the scenes look and some bonus tips, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Until next time, Good luck with your video marketing efforts, and remember, always hit the mark.